0: we uh, we went to two services when we came back in person with the idea of wanting to make sure that there's plenty of space uh, with social distancing and stuff. And so mission accomplished at this service. There's, a, there's definitely space. I don't know if you have space online. I think the internet's big. So we have space. But uh, one of the things, there have been a couple of times I've gotten on airplanes where I really wanted to just kind of be where I could lay down if I wanted to. So just want to let you know in here, if you want to lay down, you're more than welcome to enjoy yourself. Uh, one of the things with, uh, with this week is uh, Oh, in the two services, too. We've just kind of held that with open hands as we're holding everything with open hands at this time to see, should we sometime in July go back to one service? You know, what does that look like for the fall? We just don't know, so that's why we pray. And we we ask and we, we go for it. And, and so uh, I'm glad for us to be like this right now and grateful for us to be in the book of Daniel. This is our last week in the book of Daniel. In some ways, I kind of feel like we're saying goodbye to an old friend that we know isn't really going anywhere, but we're just not having the intimacy that we've, we have been enjoying with, with a friend. And we can, we can, on your own, you can spend the next year reading in the book of Daniel on your own, but I think there's something special when corporately we go through a book of the Bible together. You know, 66 books make up God's holy library, and we've had the joy of most of our... Um, Time that we were online only. Most of that time, we were going through the Book of Daniel. We've gone, spent about ten weeks going through it, and today is like the grand finale of the Book of Daniel. So, uh, if if you haven't been joining us, you can you can online go to our sermons page and and catch up with some of those things. But this is a grand finale, and one of the things that just from day one we were like Daniel feels custom made for this time is that Daniel is taken out of his normal world, and he's thrown into this, like, chaotic, I don't know how it's going to go. He was actually kidnapped as, like, a 14-year-old or so and taken far away, and it was like he could have always wanted it to go back to the way it was, but instead, he just kind of found a new way to live and a new way to, to, to just be, and so in 2020 so far, I thought it was just interesting to just kind of pose this question to us. If you could only have one word to describe 2020 so far, like what word would you use? Maybe, maybe you could say the word quarantine. John at the 9 a.m. yelled out, "Jumanji" was his like one word to explain 2020. And you know, I think that there are many years in the past where, if you're say we're a little bit past the halfway mark in the year. And if it's like, how would you describe this year so far? You'd probably get a ton of different answers. Some people are like, best year we've ever had, best year our business has ever had, best, you know, and then other people would be like, worst year I've ever had and all this stuff. But worldwide though, I think one contending word maybe that could describe 2020 would be Battle. It feels like it's just kind of been a battle. It's been a slog, you know. It's just been, we just don't know. It seems like there's a fog, fog of war and stuff, stuff like that. On January 1st, none of us knew what this year was going to be like. We don't know what the fall is going to bring. There's actually a presidential election coming that seems to me like not even on the forefront right now. Um, we just have no idea, but 2020 just feels like this battle, and I think We can reflect a little bit, and you could easily say, I just feel kind of worn out. I feel worn out from the battle. I remember one pastor early on, like in April, I was on a Zoom call, and he said, I think I'm experiencing decision fatigue I feel like I'm having to make all these new decisions that before we just kind of went went this way and now we got to, at every step, be making decisions and it just feels like de- decision fatigue. You might be frustrated by the battle and you just like some peace and quiet. And Daniel, approaching Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12, which kind of function as a together grand finale of this majestic book, Daniel was on the verge. We saw last week, he's reading jeremiah 25 and he is seeing the promises of god starting to come into fruition and after 70 years of being away from home he's right on the verge of going home and and at least we don't think he ever did personally but knowing that his people are about ready to go back to jerusalem and things are are about to head into what he could say back to the good old days back to normal Back to what I was used to. Uh, we saw last week, da- Daniel was confessing his sin, the sin of his people. He was pleading with the Lord for Jerusalem to be restored. And on the verge of life coming back to normal, Daniel sees something he wasn't expected. He sees something that rocks his world. He sees something that starts to doubt. If he can say, you know, imagine if we could say, like, next week I could get up and be like, ha, guys we didn't know it, but I can finally say, and we all live happily ever after, right? Like, like that's the movie moment, right? All this conflict, and then we all lived happily ever after. And Daniel's like on the verge potentially of, and they all lived happily ever after. But what Daniel sees is actually, it's all just getting started, What if the Lord was to come to us and be like, hey, I know you're looking forward to 2021 being like so better, but it's actually going to be so worse. It's going to be way harder. 2020 was just the appetizer. It was just getting you started. And I'm not here saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm here saying this is what Daniel's world is. This is what the world of Daniel is at Daniel chapter 10. What he sees, though, is not just that 2021 is going to be a bummer. He sees that the next hundreds of years are actually just going to be tougher, harder. And man, like, if you see that, that the battle is just going to get worse, are you just going to be like, okay, I'm in a UFC cage match, and I got to figure out how to tap out. Like, how do I say I give up? How do I say I'm done? I can't keep going like this. I don't have energy to keep going like this. You know, what would you do if you saw what, Daniel, what we're going to see that Daniel sees? And, uh, and so, man, let's, let's dive into this, Daniel chapter 10. And it's profound for Daniel. It's profound for Daniel's life. And I think it's timely for us. Where we're at right now, where we're at as a people, where we're at being formed as Jesus' people here. Um, man, we might feel like we're in this corona battle. Maybe you feel like you're in an anxiety battle. Maybe you feel like you're in a health battle, maybe a marriage battle, maybe a sin battle, and it just feels like a war going on. Um, This is where Daniel has us today. God in his sovereignty has us today. So Lord, when your word interacts with us and you are teaching us, this is never meant to just be a history lesson. Lord, these are living and active words to change, yes, Daniel's life, but to change our lives right now, exactly where we are, because you are working in our lives as much as you were him. You are the same today as you were then. You are on the move in our community as much as you were in the move in Babylon. And so, Lord, would these words change us? Would we see you in ways that that we need to see you today? Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. All right, Daniel chapter 10, starting verse one, says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. That was the name that Nebuchadnezzar had given him when he was a teenager. And the word was true, and it was great conflict. Imagine that. Hmm, how should I describe what I've seen? Great conflict were the two words that he chose. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. Remember, he is a high-level leader in that empire. He has spreads of food all the time that he could delight in. And he said, I don't want any of that because of what I've seen no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. For three full weeks, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, one of the rivers mentioned that flows through the Garden of Eden, when I stand on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. So this is the scene that, that the Lord sets for us. And remember here that Daniel is a prophet, okay? Okay. So what is happening is God is using Daniel in a unique way that shows us truths about God. We, we know from the previous chapter that he's praying for the Lord to restore Jerusalem to what it used to be, the center of worship, center of God's presence. Like there used to be a place that you could go to and know like this is how humans are to approach God through the temple, through the curtain, through the high priest only going in once a year. Um, and what God keeps revealing to Daniel and to those around Daniel is like, I'm, I'm blowing that up. I'm changing that, and there are going to be kingdoms that are coming, and these kingdoms are going to come, and there's going to be like a kingdom like the Roman Empire, and you're going to be like, this is the best empire ever, and then it's going to be a thing of the past, and it's not going to last. There are going to be a lot of things that people are going to put their hope in, and it's not going to last, but there will be this king who's coming who will last, and whose kingdom will last, and will grow, and will never shrink. And we could rename the book of Daniel, I said this last week, we could rename the book of Daniel, Jesus is coming. And this was written hundreds of years before Jesus came, but we could rename it, Jesus is coming. But Daniel, with all of that previous knowledge, sees a fresh vision of the conflict that is coming down the road and he's like I can't eat makes me want to throw up I just I just want to throw up I can't eat because of what I've seen and what we learn through chapters 11 and 12 I wish we had the time it would take us several weeks to unpack all the treasures in chapter 11 and chapter 12 but what we're seeing is that this is a terrifying vision of the future, and yes, like Ezra, you we can read in the book of Ezra, like Ezra is leading a group of people back to rebuild the temple. Uh, then the city, though, is still in ruins, so Nehemiah then is like, hears about it, and he's a leader of the empire, and he's like, how can that city be so desolate when God is still so powerful I must go and rebuild the walls. And so so beautiful things happen. Daniel's aware of some of these things. We don't know exactly when Daniel passes away. Um, But then what we see is several wicked leaders rise up. One infamous one. so in the way that like Hitler, that that name, thinking of Hitler, hits us in a way of just like knowing the, the death and knowing all the the pain that he led people into, um, they, people in the first century, would have thought of a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes IV as an infamous leader who caused such destruction. Uh, There's a thing called the abomination of desolation that's mentioned in chapters 11 and 12 that just decimated the people of God hundreds of years after Daniel. And we believe Daniel was able to see that and it just made him sick. And so um, all of this is happening, and Daniel is recognizing through his prayer, and what is shared with him in this chapter, too, is that he is recognizing as he prays that there is actually a battle underway that I think we'd not know about. We would have no clue about. He, I think, probably didn't know the extent of the battle that was underway, but look what's shared with him in Daniel 10, verses 12 through 14. Then he said to me, this guy that we'll get to in a little bit, he said to me, fear not Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and you humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. So Daniel sees this vision, he, he doesn't like take up a, a sword, he actually humbles himself before God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Verse 13, though, this is crazy. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So, so people believe this is a demon that has the title, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And this demon is holding back angelic beings for 21 days as they're fighting but then Michael, one of the chief princes, which we know through other parts of the Bible that there are two archangels, there are hundreds of millions of angels, but two archangels, Michael and Gabriel. We see Gabriel several times in the book of Daniel. We won't see him again until he tells Mary that Jesus is coming through her. But Michael, in this moment, comes to be back up and to fight against the kingdom of Persia. Um, And it says, For I was left there with the kings of Persia, and I came now to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So Daniel sees this terrifying vision, but then he's brought into this bigger spiritual battle that's being played out on earth and also in the heavens. And I think this should be eye opening for us. Like I was early this morning outside praying, and I was just like, Man, as the people of Sacred Mission Church pray, Like, are there things happening? Are there actual things happening in areas that have been strongholds, areas of spiritual battle? And like, I know that was happening. We're told here for Persia and Babylon, but is this happening even for rural central Iowa? And you could be like, whoa, slow down, Tim. Like, this was the Old Testament. Stuff like this doesn't happen now. Like, we can just like not worry about that. Well, Ephesians 6.12 is like, Uh Uh-uh, like, no way. Look at this. Ephesians 6.12 tells us um, this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I think what Ephesians 6.12, like one of the things it's like just throwing our way is like, man, in 2020, Like, yes, coronavirus is a battle. In 2020, yes, like there's a lot of racial injustice happening. In 2020, there's a lot of things coming that we don't even know about. And these are incredibly important things for people who are ambassadors for Christ, as scripture says, as we were taught by Jesus to seek it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And wherever we see things that don't look like the way it'll be in heaven, we need to go there with his power and step into those areas. But what Ephesians 6.12 says is that there are battles happening that are way bigger than that, way more cosmic than that. And Daniel starts getting a whiff of this as Michael and this man are telling about how his prayers sparked this, which sparked this battle in the heavens, which led to this. And once we, we address that, now we're here to talk to you about what's going on. And so uh, as Daniel's in the middle of all of this, He just gets broadsided, I think, by the total unexpected, something that he never could have imagined what was going to happen. And he's standing by the Tigris River. He's seen this vision that makes him sick of the battle that's coming. And then he could just kind of be like, well... This is going to be a hard life. That's going to be a hard life for those people. Could just like have his head down like this and just be living his life this way, just feeling so terrible, uh, just like hating this battle, feeling so worn out. But then thankfully, he looks up. (laughs) Gosh, like I'm so glad he looked up because what he saw is like what we can look up and see too and look what he sees when he looks up. Verse 5. I lifted up my eyes, and behold, a man clothed in linen. It's not not all messy with the mess going on in life. A man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist, His body was like beryl, a precious metal or stone. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words. Think, Daniel's grasping for ways to understand. And this guy that he's looking at is not just staring there, looking at him. He's actually speaking to him. And he says, the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, I alone saw him. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but get this, but a great trembling fell upon them. Like they didn't have eyes to see what Daniel was seeing, but they felt like, oh my God. Like, and look, great trembling fell upon them and they fled to hide themselves. I mean, they don't understand what's going on, but they sense the presence of this man and they know, like, I just got to find shelter as if that would help them. They fled to hide themselves. In verse 8, so I was left alone and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. So he saw this great conflict. And he had strength to just say, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna pray. Here though, he sees this vision of the man and there's no strength left him. His appearance was fearfully changed. I retained no strength. Verse nine, then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So I don't think Daniel's like, wow, you're amazing, I'm gonna go take a nap. I think Daniel sees him Hears him, and as he's speaking to him, I think he passes out. I think he just, because it says his face on the ground, I think he does a face plant, and he just has no strength to stand before him and just falls face to the ground. And man, the man could have been like, oh, yeah, man, that's right, and you know, did this thing, and, and there's all sorts of just like, I'm big, you're weak, I can't believe the conflict that you saw, you know. But look what he does, verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and sent me trembling to my hands and knees. So he hasn't stood up yet, but he's awake and he's on his hands and knees. And then verse 11, he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. I love, Gosh, he could have just been talking about himself. He could have let Daniel know, hey, this is who I am. Man, just stay there and worship me. Yeah, you're good there. I'm good here. But instead, he reaches down. He's like, says his name. You know, imagine if it was like, oh, Wes. What's the next thing you say after Wes? You're greatly loved. Gosh, is that not like just knowing he's not disappointed with you? And I'm assuming this. And I think that there are many reasons, many reasons to know that this is Jesus that this is the king. Um, one is that in the book of Revelation, spoken very specifically about Jesus, when Jesus is a scene in all of his glory, it's described like this. Other, if this was just like a really big strong angel, well, we know Michael and Gabriel are the two archangels, and Daniel knows them, and Daniel already has referred to them by name. And he doesn't name this one. And so it's, there, there are a bunch of reasons, but, but these are all big reasons to say this is Jesus. And instead of Jesus saying, I'm so disappointed in you or whatever, he says, Daniel, oh, you are greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now, I've been sent to you. And this is hundreds of years before he shows up on Christmas hundreds of years before he's born in Bethlehem and lives in Nazareth. Stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. I love that. Man, I, I want to be that. I want to be the guy who I hear his voice and I'm not like, oh yeah, Jesus, he's my homeboy. You know, or so like things like that, that I think sometimes makes him, you don't see him for the, for the strong, powerful God that he is, you know, but to see like Daniel hears his word and instead of cowering, he stands up and he stands up trembling. You know, there's a great song that I know about that's just like, Lord, would I tremble every time I kneel before you? Because of your love for me, you love even me and you know me? And just the trembling, I think, makes us see that he truly sees clearly the one that he's looking at. And when he saw the great conflict, he mourned because of the battle that was going to become. But when he looked up, he saw one who was infinitely stronger, infinitely more mighty. And after Daniel, he's just undone seeing Jesus. He can't even stand. He falls on his face. And I love, you know, you don't know how it's working out, but there's a chance Jesus, like, slaps him in the face, right? Because it's like, he touched me, and I woke up, you know? And it's like, he could have been like, hey, Daniel, come on, man. Come on, it's okay. It's just me. I love you. That's the first thing he shares with him. Then he's like, come on, let's get up. Gets him up. Then look again, Daniel circles around at verse 18. Verse 18. Again, I'll let you know, I'm going to say this again. Again, one having the appearance of a man, he touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. I just, I love that heart of Daniel to you. I think so often we approach God and we're like, hey God, why don't you sit down? I've got a lot of things to say to you. And Daniel, and and man, our relationship with him, we do have that relationship and he, he, he wants whatever's on our heart to be spoken to him and to share with him. But I love that Daniel's like, first, Lord, let me hear your voice. Would you strengthen me? Would you teach me? And as you strengthen me and teach me and, and you introduce yourself to me that we're able to have this relationship. And as Daniel saw how hard and long the battle could be, but now Daniel sees, he sees his God for how big he is, how good he is, how terrifying he is. Man, I, I lived a lot of my life where everything that Jesus did for me, I was like, eh, I'm going to try my own way. And to... To see Jesus and to realize that you are rejecting what he has done is terrifying. It truly should be terrifying. One that has reached down and said, you are greatly loved. Look at me. Now, I know you and I love you. And to be like, ah, I'll try it without you is terrifying. But to know and to place your life in his hands and to allow what he did for you and what he says about you to speak to you is strengthening. And it's like, I can stand and walk in that no matter how dark this battle is going to be. And I love how this plays out. So part of what Daniel 11 talks about is like there are all these leaders that come up and just say things that are wrong. They say things about God that are ridiculous and that are lies. And people are like, oh, Wow, that is really meaningful. You know, and so look at how verse 11 says here, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. So those who purposely are violating God's covenant, and this leader is, so this is a totally different leader, a guy like Antiochus Epiphanes IV, but it's like, don't be, don't be shocked when you see someone who's flattering people for doing things that are against God. Hey, guys, we should do this because this is totally against God, and you guys are awesome, violating God's ways. And you're like, yeah, oh, that sounds so right. Look at this, though. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. So I love that in the light, in the light of seeing the battle, seeing Jesus and recognizing I have no strength, For any of this without you. And hearing his voice, which makes us tremble, but also gives us strength, for those who know their God shall stand firm and take action. One of the things that's just like really struck me, and one of the things that kept me away from rural central Iowa for literally decades, was this idea that God only does big things in big places. And it's like if you wanna see God do awesome stuff, you should go to like a big, huge, awesome city. And that's where you're gonna see God do awesome stuff. And what's awesome is he does. (laughs) He's on the move there and he's doing great things in in great cities. And one of the things that like, he finally hit me in the face with a two by four long enough and it finally dawned on me was like he made everything out of nothing. So like, what does he need to do amazing things? He doesn't really need anything. He just does amazing things. But then, what would he do with a town of 450 people? What would he do with rural central Iowa? And just realizing, like, God does do huge things in huge places. And what has been so great to see and to see in my life is that he does huge things in small places, too. And, like, that is who he is. (laughs) He's the way maker. And he's doing all these beautiful, powerful things here. A small Jesus, though, if we're like, oh, we have a small Jesus in a small town, and we have a big Jesus in a big town. When we truly see Jesus for who he is, that gives us big hope, and it gives us big energy to go for it against the darkness. If we have a small Jesus, we have just a little bit of hope, and we have just a little bit of strength to go for it and to be the church, to be the living church. But if we see Jesus for really how big he is, we have big hope to go for it with big energy. And so as we're not knowing what the future's gonna be, as we're coming to the the finale here of the book of Daniel, uh, man, I just wanna open this up for the Lord to to just do whatever work he needs to do in our lives, any work that he needs to do in our hearts. Um, A book like Daniel... In the midst of such uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing what things are going to be like, to see, like, don't plead for it to go back to the way it used to be. Plead to see Jesus and for Jesus to show you just a new way to live in today. And so I think a question for all of us is, what does it look like for you to look up and see Jesus? I think Hannah has some of this, like, just for us. What does it look like for me? To look up and see Jesus. Because the thing with Daniel is it's like Daniel was 80 years old. He was in his 80s. He had seen God do a ton of stuff, and he knew a lot of things about God. But then Jesus revealed more of himself to Daniel, and there, he revealed more of himself to him in a way that changed him to his core. And it's like, what does it look like for me right now to look up And see Jesus. Not a small Jesus leading to small hope, but a big Jesus leading to big hope. Um, Maybe, like right now, you're looking at your good works. Like, there are a lot of really good people in rural central Iowa. Like, I feel like I could give you my debit card and my PIN number and be like, hey, I prefer you don't spend any money on this account. And it'd be like, yeah, no worries. You can trust me. And I'd be like, I do trust you, you know? And they would be trustworthy. Like, now, there are. That's not true everywhere, right? But there are people who would say like, hey, I'm trusting in my good works for heaven. And I'd be like, man, yeah, you've got a lot of good works. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing to not break the law and stuff, right? But none of that is at all good admission to heaven or good things to actually put our whole lives on like, just living a good life. And that's looking at living a good life. And then here's Jesus saying, "Look what I'm doing for you." And you're like, "No, I'll take my good works." But instead instead of looking to your good works, what to look up and see Jesus. Or maybe you're looking to your sin and being like, "Man, look at that sin. I am so disgusting." And Jesus would be like, "You are, man. You have no idea what it cost. And you're greatly loved." And you have no idea how much I love you. And when we're looking at our sin, and he's like, look up and see me. Maybe it's looking to the sin of other people that's affecting your life, and that's real. But it's like, look up, though, and see me. Let me strengthen you. Let me teach you. Let me give you a new way. Maybe it's looking at religion and being like, oh, look at this religious thing that I'm doing. Look how, like, I could come in here, and then I can leave and feel good. It's like, man, that's that's terrible replacement for Jesus. Instead, look up and see Jesus. And man, I I pray that in our community, like the Lord would show us what it looks like for us today to look up and see Jesus in a totally fresh way. Then second, like what does it look like for us to stand firm and take action? Just as Daniel was like, I've seen him, I've heard him, and now I can stand firm and take action. Not because I'm like doing it in my own strength, but because he's strengthening me, and I'm now looking at him and, man, I think on Father's Day, like, we have fathers in here, but we also have, like, people who are acting as fathers in our church, you know, who are leading and protecting and, and overseeing. And so, like, you don't have to be a biological father to father and, uh, and seeing that we're following the Father, God the Father, in our lives. And I think for us to be like, man, where are we seeing, like, kids that aren't experiencing Christ-like love, And what would it look like for us to hear from Jesus and to actually be like a light in that dark place and to be strengthened and to take action? It might be when we see injustice in our communities, when we see things that meatpacking plants are not the way it's supposed to be. For us to hear from Jesus, to be strengthened, and to take action, because we are ambassadors for Christ. Second uh, Corinthians ten three through four. Uh, Josh Caldwell texted this to a few of us that fast and pray on Thursdays. Uh, if you ever want to join us, you're more than welcome to do that. First uh, Corinthians ten three through four says: For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds man so let's just lord i just ask that as we're wrapping up the book of daniel lord the things that you need to show us the things that you want to speak to us show us who you are give us a bigger view of who you are maybe just burn away with your face of lightning and your eyes of fire, Lord. Maybe you need to burn away just false views that we have of you, things that are just not who you are. Lord, I just think that your disciples saw you and talked to you, and when you first did your miracles, you you were like, shh, don't tell anybody. You just wanted it to be just something that people would discover about you, Lord. But we see in Daniel, we see this in Revelation, there's a time when you will take your veil off and we will see you for who you are, Lord. And for each of us, Lord, we, would we move closer to you this morning? Would each of us take a step towards you? Maybe some of us need to just fall on our faces and be all in with you, Lord, as, as, as you as our Savior, Lord. Save us from our sins. Remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us communion to commune with you. So, Lord, even right now, would you be speaking to each of us? Would you be forming each of us? Would you be doing the work that you want to do in each of us so that we can really see you and look up and see you? Be strengthened, Lord. The areas that maybe we're giving up or we've given up long ago, Lord, would you strengthen us so that we can be a light in our community and in our families? Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. So the... um, in each cup, we've got the bread at the bottom, and then we've got juice in the top. And this was the Lord's idea. And man, as we take these elements, if, there's, if you're like, oh yeah, Daniel was greatly loved because he was awesome. If you holding this in your hand, this is absolute proof that you are greatly loved. Following Jesus as your Savior, like the, the, body represents, the, the bread represents his body that was given for us, lived in our place. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us. And so um, if you are not a follower of Jesus in here, I would say is give your life to him. And then come and commune with him through this. If you are a follower of Jesus, the warnings in scripture are for us to not come up here quickly or lightly, but instead to, to look up, search our hearts, Lord, Reveal sin to us that we may repent of, and we draw near to you and to each other through communion. So so take, take some moments, but then let's come up, take the elements, and then we'll take it all together as family. So let's respond.